Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Build Shop Podcast. I am one half of your hosting crew, Ryan Brath, and I'd like to welcome my co-host to the show, Mike. How's it going? RB, I'm good. Yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, it's it's, it's an interesting week in golf. You know, normally we're Thursday to, to Sunday. This week we are Wednesday to Saturday, so we have to entirely recalibrate my weekend. It's good. It's uh gives us more primetime football on uh, on Sunday. Sorry, golf, but you're taking a backseat for football. I'm not like a football guy. Like I don't sit down. I watch the Super Bowl or I watch the kind of the playoff games. I'll admit to that. But um, even this past weekend, I did not get into it. And all, like Twitter was just a fire. I don't know what there was some game that went back and forth. I didn't even get into it. I'm like, OK, I'll check on the highlights at some point. Yeah, but it was, uh, uh, we've got some friends that are that live in the Buffalo area. And uh, unfortunately, I'm a Giants fan. So, um, you know, if the Bills could have made it all the way, I would have definitely been uh, rooting for them. But uh, it was a rough game on uh, on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see the next couple games. Uh, you know, we've got a, a good customer of ours is uh, used to play for uh, Kansas City. Um, he did not like that. I was rooting for the Bills. He sent me a middle finger emoji on Sunday. Um, but uh, we've uh, they Yeah, that game will be interesting. And there's been a lot of banter back and forth. So excited to excited for Sunday. I think that's the one thing that that football offers is there's not a lot of teams. Right. So because of that, there is your geographical alliance. And then there's also just the idea that like, you know, once you kind of pick a team, you really stick with them. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I said, I've been a giants fan for a long time. Um, you know, 2011 and 2013 were good years for us. Uh, you know, I got to play in a, in a pro-am with Michael Strahan about 15, 17 years ago with my dad and became a giants fan ever since. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's painful right now to be a giants fan, not as bad as a lions fan, but, um, it's, uh, it's pretty rough. So, uh, I said, if the Giants, if the if the Bills would win the Super Bowl this year, I would have converted and become a Bills fan. But uh, I'm going to stick with my G-men for another year. I know a lot. A lot of people are aware. Like I you know, I got friends over at Golf Tour X. Brian Knudsen, fun guy uh, over there. He is a Lions fan, and as much as I, I all I all I know about the Lions is that they suck. Is, yeah, is I mean, my my, my, my high school know. my high school football team could definitely give the Lions a run for their money. We had some uh, we have some uh, guys that. I played grade nine football with that are, uh, I mean, they're playing CFL. One guy kind of trained with the, with the Cleveland Browns for a bit. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, Detroit fans. They have it. Uh, they have it rough. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? They got a PJ tour event back, which is always fun downtown with the, the rocket mortgage, but we're not talking that this week. We are talking the AT&T or sorry. No, we're talking Tory. AT&T was last week or whatever it was. Um, but we're talking Tory which is like a generally used to, you know, always think people think of it as the kickoff to the season. It was always the event that Tiger played in. It was the first of the year. Uh, but before we get into that, and before we get into our, our conversation with Aaron Dillon and talk some new tech and some videos that we, we had on the YouTube channel, I want to remind everyone that, you know, it always helps us do if you like it. And if you're enjoying the show to like, subscribe to the podcast channel and uh, leave a comment. You know, it, uh, it always helps with uh, other people kind of trying to find us. And, uh, you know, just want to let that, we don't ask for much. That's just the one thing uh, I want to put out there. So let's get into it um, right off the bat. Uh, you know, let's talk about last week. Let's talk about the uh, the most recent video that you were in, Mike. And that was uh, talking about the LTDX and the XLS. And just your general thoughts about them. Because, you know, we put them up against your gamer. But, uh, I mean, it's a good performing, good sounding driver. Yeah, no, I've... Uh... You know, I'll be I'll be honest. In, in the past, I haven't loved the Cobra driver. Um, you know, F9 is probably the 
the one I, you know, I liked the most. I played the Fairywood at one point, but uh, this LTDX, it's, uh, it's got some, it's got some love in it. It's, it's, it's stable, which is the name of the game this year, but um, it's definitely not sluggish. It definitely doesn't kind of fall behind the the leaders in the house, which is nice. So um, yeah, really excited to have it in the bays, get people fitting for it. I've, you know, being able to speak about it a bit more, um, you know, I think the team is, is, is really excited for the Cobra driver this year. We're starting to see it as I walk through the fitting bays, starting to see more people pull the product, which is, which is neat to see giving it a, a fair fighting chance and uh, hopefully a few orders for Cobra down the line. I think the one, the one thing about the the Cobra product is it, like, it's not that they've ever made bad stuff. And I in fact, I think no. they've always made really good stuff. It's just that, um, you know, a lot of people have even their pros have gravitated more towards some of the older stuff. Sometimes, I mean, even Ian Poulter used the old ZL for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and you had uh, like Ricky used the F9 for a long period of time. And it's it's all about just like you know fine tuning what's going to work for this thing. And I think the cool thing, I think what a lot of consumers are going to like, and something I enjoy, and I put it down is, and I've I've used the Speed Zone in the past. I like that driver. It was the the Infinity Face. You know, from a technology standpoint, it's really cool that they rolled it all the way over the top. And there was a, there was definitely a reason for that. But, you know, people have to like the look of it from the top. And some people are going to like that and use it as an alignment. But obviously, from the pros perspective, from a lot of other players perspective, they they wanted to move that back from just the top line and down. And, you know, as far as the looks and the color scheme is concerned, I really like it. I think it's one of those things that uh, definitely stands out compared to the older one. Yeah, no, it, it looks, it looks great. Obviously, you know, I think over the time people have said that their fit, you know, their color schemes and their look are very carish. I mean, I would say the, uh, the marketing team there are very uh, big fans of, you know, fast cars and very expensive cars. Um, but yeah, the, the whole vibe of the driver is, is really cool. It looks, it looks awesome. feels awesome. Sounds really good. I know I was always a big, I, I still have one of the big tour fairy woods and mm. uh, it's a cannon. Like it's crazy, especially you put it off the tee and it's not the easiest fairy wood to hit off the deck, but you, you get it off the tee or you have it on a nice lie. You know, you're not very often you're going to pull a 12 degree or 13 degree fairy wood, but it is a, it is a cool one. And that size definitely helps for forgiveness when you are trying to tee it up and really just let this thing fly. Uh, now another one too, which I think is is interesting. And, and again, so this week's guest, if you, if you read the, I'm sure if you got this far, you've probably read the title already, is Aaron Dill. So Aaron Dill is the kind of the wedge guru out on tour for Titleist. You know, Bob Vokey doesn't travel week to week out on tour. He works more so on the back end of the kind of projects. You guys go to a couple events a year, but uh, for the whole team of Titleist, all the pros work and run through Aaron Dill. All the wedges run through Aaron. And uh, I know, Mike, you got an interesting story because, you know, you've known Aaron for a long time. And and how did you kind of get introduced to him? I know you're 10 years younger than me, so you're a younger, much younger guy. But you've known him for, I don't know, since you were a teenager? Yeah, I've known Aaron, geez, since I was 15, I guess. Uh, you know, my, my mom did a bit of charity work for Children's Miracle Network. And down one time down in Orlando, they used to have a tournament called the Children's Miracle Network Classic. Um obviously being an equipment junkie, I was staying at Bay Hill and, um, you know, a couple of weeks before going down, I sent an email to Vokey info at Vokey.com or whatever. And I was like, Hey, I want to meet Bob Vokey. Um, and I want to just sit and like, just speak with him for 20 minutes. And, and I get this email back two weeks later said, Bob's unavailable. He's traveling. 
But if you'd like, we give you access to a gentleman by the name of Aaron Dill. He'll be at Children's Miracle Network. You know, we'd love to have you on the tour van and shoot the breeze. I was like, all right, that's really cool. Didn't really know what a tour van was. I did, but I didn't. Anyways, first step on that tour van, I fell in love. And that's kind of where, you know, I looked at my parents. I was like, this is what I want to do for a living. I want to, I want to work with equipment. I want to work with the best in the, in the world. And I want to learn from the best. And, um, you know, spent a few hours with Aaron. And then after that, the relationship kind of, you know, grew, I, I, I leaned on him for a lot of information, a lot of support on what I want to do in the industry. And to be honest with you, if I, if I didn't meet Aaron, I don't know if I'd be uh, sitting here doing an equipment podcast with you, RB, but, uh, you know, he, he helped me and, and kind of expanded, you know, a little bit of my knowledge on club building at the time, you know, it was very limited for me before I got to work where I did. And then, um, you know, learning his, his kind of philosophies and the Volky philosophy. And again, I've, I've spent a few, a few times with, with Aaron on tour, uh, which is pretty cool. So, uh, like, like you said, he is the, he's the wedge master, the wedge guru for, for Titleist. And there's a lot of non-Titleist staffers that, that do see and work with him. Uh, cause the guy knows his stuff. It's, you know, if you're, if you're going to be Volky's right-hand man, you're going to learn a lot of things. So he is, uh, you know, we, you know, I'll text him multiple times. Hey, I'm, I'm noticing this out of this type of turf condition. What do you see on tour? And he'll send me a video. And I send him a video of just hitting a few little shots at, at, uh, out of the bunker at the club. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, I see this. And he'll draw a line on a wedge. And he's like, if you can like buff this down or grind this off or try that. And like, we'll we'll kind of bounce ideas off each other. So extremely smart, knows how to make those tools work and, and, and make those guys lots of money. That's cool. That's really, really cool. One of the questions actually came up in the, uh, I get it on Instagram all the time, RDS breath. Uh, I'm sure you get it as well. Mike, uh, Mike TXG <laughs> is, uh, that's the plug is, uh, you know, how do I get into this? Like, how, how do I learn? Cause there isn't, this, I, li- I literally answered this message twice today. Someone who was like, I want to get into the golf industry. I want to get into building golf clubs. I want to get into understanding club fitting. There's no schools. I'm like, well, yeah, there, there, there aren't any schools. There's no, and, and don't get me wrong. We're going to redo a lot of videos and like there's education on the side of like self, like kind of taking that on your, on yourself. But as far as club building goes, you really just have to dive into it or find somebody who you're willing to shadow. And I think for myself, I got into it and I was really young. I was about 15, 16 when I started tinkering with golf clubs pretty heavily and it never really stopped. And for me, like someone like that is you know, Jeff Sheets is someone who I've known since I was a teenager as well. And, you know, have the chance to ask him questions. But it's that idea, right? It's finding someone that is is willing to help. And I think at the time, I'm sure Aaron just thought he was helping helping a kid out and, and helping some, you know, helping a fellow equipment junkie and nerd out. And the next thing you know, right, like there is this this level of respect because it's the idea of mentoring, right? It's the idea of sharing information. And for us, you know, if if you are worried, like you are like asking that question, I think. You know, find somebody who's willing to teach you. It doesn't have to be someone who's on a tour van. Like there's a lot of great fitters out there that, that work with regular golfers all the time. And I think it's just, it's a matter of reaching out and, and asking that question. Cause I think to me, that's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, uh, Patrick, one of our fitters, he was a Humber student. I sit on the board at Humber for the PGM program and, um, you know, a student myself from that program, you know, sat across from him in a job fair and uh, the guy begged me for a job. He emailed me every, every week. He begged to come in and just meet me. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever, like, let's meet this guy. And, 
um, you know, he's turned out, he's now with us, been with us full time, almost two years. And he's, you know, one of, he's a great fitter and he's, he wants to learn about building and he's, he's got some cool opportunities coming up with, with the company in the next couple months. But, um, you know, he said it to me one time and he was like, uh, he was, we asked him like serious conversations like, who's your mentor. And he's like, uh, he's like, well, Ian's a mentor. He's like, and you're a mentor. And I kind of looked at him and I, you know, started laughing and I'm like, that's funny to hear from me because I'm only, you know, I'm 26. I consider myself pretty young, you know, young bump in the industry, but you know, it, it it's time where, you know, someone's got to like hand down the gauntlet and, and, and if he can learn a, a bunch of stuff that I've learned uh, and, you know, I continue to learn and he can continue to learn, I guess. Yeah. That's, I guess that calls a, calls me a mentor to him, but it's cool to see in the industry, you know, in, in a way to get in into where you want to be like myself, you know, I just, I just bugged people. I just begged and begged and begged to get it where I wanted. And sure enough, people were like, let's shut this kid up and hire him. So um, it worked. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Is there courses? No, not really. Um, you know, there's a lot of online content. There'll be some more online content coming, hopefully, from the two of us regarding build stuff um, and shadowing. Obviously, up here right now, it's a little tough just with restrictions. But I, you know, I would never say no to a shadow opportunity if it was if it was available so mike um without further ado then i guess we should uh, turn it over to our conversation with aaron dill from titleist talking the vokey wedges and the all-new sm9 all right so i'd like to welcome to the build shop podcast for the first time aaron dill from titleist i think a lot of people are familiar with aaron's work when it comes to stamping wedges a lot of the stuff he does with tour players and, and we're here to dive in with how you guys doing right busy busy is this is this really my first time on here? And uh, no, that's a technicality. The, you were on uh, you were on with with Matt and I. You were one of the first three, maybe number two, I think, uh, on the original podcast. I, I feel like I feel like we're old friends. We've known each other for a long time, so you know, to be able to come back and do this again is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, thank you like, for uh, for jumping on. We know obviously it's a busy time of the year for you with with tour kicking off and, and lots of demand and, you know, I know obviously the seeding has been busy, but this, this is, this is kind of go time for you, isn't it? Getting product in hands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, when we're, when we left yesterday, we were, we're all kind of like, whew, okay, finally we're done. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, like we, we were excited that we had, you know, gotten through the week and, and we did great work and we, we got a lot of great feedback. Um, but, you know, once you leave that environment, you begin to realize like, oh, no, this is not done. This is just beginning yeah. um, because, you know, yes, you've, you've given this new product out to players, but now you're going to get a chance to um, get all the guys that you've already worked with dialed going forward and then have a chance to work with some new players as well. So we're, we're really just kind of getting this whole thing started. Now, when it comes to that and it comes down to the, the process of, of getting players into product, how much do they do beforehand? off of like away from the course away from those tournaments and how much of that you know starts with the product from beforehand and like when you start looking at the development process or is it just not kind of non-stop well it never really ends you know it's a it's a constant thing for us we're you know every week we're out on tour somewhere and we're learning from players on an individual basis as a group we're learning uh you know how to make better clubs through golf courses the design of courses the types of grass and soils and there's really so many different avenues that we are gathering inspiration and ideas from. Um, and so every week's a different thing. And I think that, uh, you know, the players are, are instrumental in how we design and, and what we design and what we change. 
and you just take it day by day, week by week, um, club to club. But I think everything we do really starts from what we call the leadership of influence, which is, uh, you know, the, the, the PJ tour. That's really cool. And like, again, from the, from the product side of things, especially a week like this, are you working with grinds that players have had in the past and kind of transitioning into the new product or is it, you know, I guess I know they're always tinkering, but is there, is there that step where they're like, you know, should we try the new because of this, this year, or how does that work? Yeah. So I'm not really interested in changing the grinds. Uh, I don't want anybody to have to relearn a club. So, you know, for us, the, the, the goal is to make this process as seamless as possible. And so when I'm introducing new product to players, I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically trying to give them the easiest possible ways to, um, come up with the least amount of excuses to not like what we're trying to do. Uh, and so, you know, a big part of the process is, is looking at individual players, understanding the specs, preparing and building product for the launch based on what they currently use. So that when they do end up getting the product, it's an apples to apples comparison. I want them to be able to hit their current product, hit the new product, explain to them the differences um, and, and give them an understanding as to why the newer product is really the better product for them. Um, trying to reinvent a wedge is really not the goal for us. It's really about making a great wedge and adding a couple of extra elements to it that just make golf at times a little bit easier, a little bit more consistent. So, you know, uh, it, it's giving them the new product, making it look beautiful, offering them the same specs and soles, and then uh, you know, introducing tech or um, you know some sort of some sort of internal technology that's going to help them create specific ball flight spins and consistency numbers that uh, that we know are really important when it comes to wedge play. If you can take us through some of the some of the kind of improvements to sm9 i think cosmetically um you know it's it's subtle isn't it you know and i think like you said that's not a bad thing that's nothing to that's nothing for somebody to go ah well i'll, I'll skip this uh generation and I'll, I'll wait to see what's next um tell us a little bit about what's what's new here yeah so we always start with what we consider to be sort of the foundation of how bob Vokey became so successful he made beautiful wedges and he gave you tons of options. And that's really how we get things going is we, we, we work on the profiles. It's a continuous process for us. Even though the adjustments are subtle, I think that that's just generations of really, really well done profiles. You know, and so when we're talking with our players, we're asking them, are you, are you content with what you're seeing? When you set the club down, do you like what you're looking at? And if there are players that say, hey, you know, I think that you could improve this or I think you should look at this. Those are things we take home. We start to investigate and, 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 and dig a little deeper into. So profiles are number one. Leading edges and offsets, number two. Technology is number three. Um, those are the things that we're focusing on. So as far as SM9 versus SM8, there are three key things that I think are really important to understand about the product. The first is the aesthetics. Aesthetics meaning, did we make the shapes the right shapes? Are the offsets leading edges the exact way we want them to be? And the answer is yes. Uh, and again, this feedback comes from the tour. It comes from consumer levels. It comes from a lot of different avenues. For me, it's really about listening to the best players in the world because I think that their eyes are just, they're just made to look at golf clubs in a deeper, more complex way. Um, and so for us, we focused on offset and leading edge adjustments on the 46 or 52s. Those are going to be very modern, very clean, uh, and, and really blend nicely off what we consider to be today's more modern iron sets. Um, you know, you look at two great examples of, of guys who are looking at clubs in different ways. 
Justin Thomas is one of those players who looks at offset and leading edge and says, I want it as straight and as modern as possible. And Adam Scott's the opposite. I want roundness. I want radius. I want offset. I want all this curvature. You know, he's, he's kind of old school in that, in that sense. And so it's a little tricky at times to, to try and create that balance. But I think what we're seeing is the majority of our younger players right now are, are looking for less offset. Uh, and a little square leading edge in the 46 or 52s. And then as you get into the sand wedges, we've got your standard profiles and leading edges and offsets, and that will go all the way up into 62 degrees. So 54 through 62 is is essentially what you'd expect from a Voki wedge, which is just classic, clean, beautiful shapes uh, and leading edges. The backings, you're going to have a tapered top line based on the lofts, and that's really about adjusting CG and finding a place that makes sense. Um, we don't put the same CG in every loft we make because we know that each of the loft categories sort of has its own space it needs to live in. 46 or 52, you know, those are extensions of the iron set. So we are really focused on uh, trying to get a ball speed that matches up with irons because we know how important it is to make sure your math is right. Um, so the CG placement of those is going to be low and deep. And that's going to help us pick up a couple more yards here and there when you need to just to match up with what we know our iron sets are doing, which are just going further. And then the sand wedges, we really love those. I mean, they've done really well for us over the years. And so trying to keep that same sort of DNA is, has been a, a focus of ours. And then as you start getting into the higher lofts, the 58, 60, and 62s, that's where we adjust that CG and we move that a little higher and keep it forward to the face. And that's to reduce dynamic lofting. Um, I know we've all hit the shot before, but you know, when you swing a little faster and that ball pops up high in the air and it comes up a little short or it has erratic spin numbers, those are the site, those are the sorts of things that our tour players are, they're, they're constantly challenging us to, uh, to remedy. I think that that's one of those shots that we really, we really do not care for it. And so our focus on that is trying to reduce dynamic lofting, keep that ball flight through the lower windows and keep your spin nice and high. That'll just essentially help our players keep the golf ball below the um, the elements, help you hit your carry numbers really easy, have plenty of stopping power, uh, and sort of promote this feeling of confidence, knowing that if you need to hit it through those lower windows, you, you could definitely do it. Um, and then we have a new score line, and that score line is um, very similar to what we currently have in the sense of the visuals. It's 17 grooves. There's still two grooves uh, that we offer, 46 through 54 is going to be your uh, slightly narrower and deeper groove. And then as you get to the 56 through 62, that's going to be slightly wider and a little bit shallower. And that's really about, you know, the oblique strike that takes place on more loft. You know, we want to be able to expand that groove a little bit so that ball can get inside there and, and really um, interact with that scoreline, creating that spin that you need. Um, but the other part of it that's truly interesting is, is, you know, we're always trying to study and understand on a deeper level the importance of um, of keeping spin throughout the set, regardless if it's 46 through 62, we want to make sure that that groove is very consistent. Um, and we also want to make sure that um, that the groove life is, is, is continuing to be as sharp as possible. So we are actually individually cutting these score lines. And then we have a parallel texture pattern that lives just above. And that allows us to not compromise the groove edge because we know how valuable and how important that is. So, you know, those are the three things that I'm really taking away from what this line is. It's it's a it's obviously the beautiful shapes and sole options and bounce and grind combinations that, uh, you know, the Vokey brand has been known for. Um, but also the the 
the just the endless pursuit to find the best groove in golf and to create the best CG position in golf that allows our players to have a little advantage when the going you know when the conditions uh, become a little more difficult or maybe not swinging at that well. The, with CG changing um, over the last few years, is the players that are well, I wouldn't say call them out, but are there a percentage of players on tour that are hesitant to to change right away when it comes to a certain edge with you know CG as it changes you know certain characteristics? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody everybody understands that you know sometimes there is a risk when you make an adjustment in a club. Uh, you know, the goal for us is not not to change it so much in a, in a negative way or a positive way. I guess that you would be detoured because visually it's it's just too far out of your comfort zone, right? Um, the goal is always to 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 get your golf ball to fly through that window that makes sense. And uh, and we we've learned over the years that there is a window that our that our players are looking through. Um, and we're just trying to help them look through that window and see their golf ball in that exact spot. There are many players who put a wedge in right away. There are many players that refuse to put a wedge in for several, several months and everybody in between. It's kind of a weird personal thing. I think for all of us, you know, we, we, we have our superstitions. We have our, our feelings about putting a new equipment. Um, you know, for us, it's again, it's about trying to make that transition as easy and as seamless as possible. Now, what, now when it comes to that and having players change, when we think of the open championship, right? Players adjusting throughout the season, or is it kind of like it has to be really, really different for them to change, like something like the Open? Or, you know, are they going high lofter wedges around the U.S. Open? How does that evolve throughout the year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, we <laughs> if, you, if you've ever been to a tour event, there's – there's a bunch of trailers in a parking lot and it's really just like a toy store, you know, and it's really easy I think for a lot of players to get, to get sucked into that and want to tinker and try and explore and experiment because you know what, every now and then you, you, you do get into a, uh, a club that offers you an advantage, you know, maybe it's something that you needed. Uh, maybe it's something you didn't even know you needed, but you saw it and you realized, gosh, this is, this is the kind of shot that I didn't have. And now I have it. Uh, and that, and that's part of the exploration process for us and learning is, is, are we doing things right? Um, I think once a tour player finds a club or a series of wedges that they really gel well with, um, they really will not make a change unless the conditions really dictate it. Right. So, you know, Augusta national would be one of those venues where, you know, you, you, you'd need it to, you need to find a certain lob wedge or sand wedge that fits how the golf course is set up that week or an open championship where, you know, you're going to be in that dry firm fescue grass. You know, these are extreme conditions that we don't see often. I think most of the golf courses nowadays are on the firmer side, but they're not quite to that firmness. Um, and they do shift. I mean, going from, you know, this week in the desert to Muirfield, that's two very different conditions, two very different conditions. You know, where Muirfield is a little softer. Um, and here this week was, was nice and crispy and, and, uh, and, you know, allowed you to get, get around with a little bit less bounce. But I think once guys find something they like, you know, they try and keep that in the bag as long as possible, unless the golf course says, Hey, you need to make a change. Eddie, how, how much fun uh, has it been working in, in tandem with the iron development guys to, really make that transition from an iron that's very techy, like a T100, right? The most played iron on the professional tours worldwide and, and making that wedge in that set 
really have a lot of Volky DNA and make that transition. I think that's maybe one of the kind of steps of, of this this launch or, or, or kind of the last few launches that maybe people have missed is is that all the little details that you talked about earlier about CG location uh, adjustments to to kind of be in keeping with the modern iron. Uh, has that been a lot of fun to not just look at wedge development, but to look at wedge and iron development in tandem? Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel really fortunate. The iron team has reached out to the wedge team and 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 asked us to get involved in some sole design things. Um, you know, for me as a wedge guy, sole design is is so important. Uh, it it creates sound. Uh, so you know, certain acoustics that really that really sound great to players' ears uh, are indicators of, of good impact on the face. Um, but those soles will help us with trajectory. It'll help us with cons- uh, consistency and spin. And so I'm I'm actually doing a lot with souls every single week because I think that stuff truly matters. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we spend so much time trying to put incredible technology into a club that we maybe at times will 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 put a couple things on on the side. And um, I think it's great that our iron team has made some adjustments to the souls because now you've got this T100 package that is 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 wonderfully uh it's, it feels great it flies nice long um and now you got a soul that works with you uh and gives you a lot of great feedback and i, I love the fact that the iron team has reached out to us to to allow us to be involved in that now you said it there aaron and this is something i want to you know talk a little bit for i think our listeners are fairly familiar with you and titles you do you know stuff on instagram with stamping and talking about all the things what got you into wedges specifically? You know, you called yourself a wedge guy. What, mm-hmm. what, what kind of brought you into that world? What was it different from, you know, other parts of fitting that really had you gravitate towards the short game? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I think, I think any of us who love golf, and I know everybody on this call, we, we all love golf. We love equipment. Uh, and for me, it, it wasn't necessarily in the beginning about wedges. I think I just loved equipment. I loved helping people. I loved that moment where players saw their golf ball fly in a new way and they were excited by it. And that got me excited. So it started out with a little bit of everything. But when I got connected with Titleist and I started working here, I spent two years on this band called the Fitting Works Program. And that's how I got to know Bob Vokey. And Bob was so kind and so generous with his time. And he would allow me to come in and, and, and work with his team. And he would look at my parts and he would take a Sharpie out and he'd mark here and here and say, you know, you got to fix this, focus on this. And that really sort of started for me. I, I, I was so inspired by who Bob was, not just in the sense that he was this legend of club design, mainly wedges, but I loved the fact that that here was this 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 person who wanted to help and you know he made me believe that the 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 path of wedges was for me uh and so i spent tons of time with the guy and he just he was so generous and and kind with his time and you know uh, about two years into the program he said hey I'd, i'd love to have you come out on tour and that's really where it all started And once you start getting involved in something like wedges which are such a personal thing and i feel like i'm i'm a service oriented guy I feel like a lot of times wedges are, are really on the deeper level of service because they're completely customizable. You know, we can change everything from the profiles to the leading edges, to the colors, to the stamping. Um, and I love the fact that that can all be shaped by hand. Uh, and, and, and that really just kind of keeps me, I don't know, in a sense, uh, motivated 
to continue to learn. Uh, so the wedge thing is always, it's always going to be my thing. I just, I love the way it works. I love how we change things and, and, and players can see a difference right away. Voki, good Canadian guy, right? He's, he's the best, eh? <laughs> the best. <laughs> so, um, you know, another, another part of this, another element of this is the, you know, you guys offered is like this, the 62. When it comes to those wedge gapping, you know, a lot of people focus too much on the actual loft than the numbers that they go, right? It does obviously play a role, but when you're on, on tour and you're working with players, it's just about distances, right? Um, no, I mean, yes, there is a there is a, a big part of it is making sure that your numbers are right. And I try and encourage players. I say, okay, we're going to start with the nine iron and the pitching wedge. We're going to see if we have proper gapping there. And then we're going to work our way up. Let's see what the pitching wedge and the gap wedge does, the gap in the sand, and make sure that you have, you know, no more than 15. I like to keep guys in that 12, 13 yard range. I just don't want them to guess a whole lot. You know, nowadays ball speed is so high. Sometimes it's a little challenging to do that, but you know, 12, 14, 15 yards in between each wedge, I think is a great sweet spot. Um, And then once we get to that lob wedge or sand wedge, mainly the lob wedge, I think is that club where you have to sort of say, all right, the distance on this wedge it's really not that important because you're not going to be hitting this thing full very often. It's really about deciding, okay, what's more important. Is it more important that I can hit this thing 85 yards or is it more important that I make this a wedge that gets me out of trouble around the greens more often? And I have a feeling that anybody who answers that question will say, I want to be able to have every shot possible green side. Um, you know, the distance wedge shot with that is just not that important to me. And, and we see that with tour players a lot. So some players will say, hey, I really want the best of both worlds. So we find a carry yardage that makes sense. And then we go greenside and we find a soul that makes sense. And we offer those players the best ability to have versatility uh, and forgiveness. So you want sort of the best of both worlds. And then you have a lot of players who say, listen, this thing just needs to work greenside. And that's where we really can spend some time digging down and, and, and understanding like, okay, this is the grind. This is the soul and the balance that work for you. These are the reasons why. Here are the positives. Here are the negatives. Outweigh, you know, which ones are, you know, the more important ones. Understand that, and then go out and play golf and and, and get to know the product. Um, for me, it's about solving problems. I think a lot of times we we get into fitting situations where players say, "Hey, I just want to hit this one shot," and you have to remind those players, "Hey, let's maybe take a step back for a second. Let's let's keep that let's keep that on our minds. That's fine. We want to make sure that you can hit the flop shots at the end of the day, but." Let's maybe take a look at some shots that you don't hit very well. And let's see if we can alleviate some of that pressure. Because I know that once you take away some of that stress, as your short game becomes more confident, then you can remove some bounce at times. And then, uh, you know, everything sort of falls into place. So, you know, sometimes it's a distance thing. Most of the time it's a green side, find me the perfect winner, uh, grind bounce combinations uh, sort of thing and, and everywhere in between. Ad, what when you uh, when you're out on tour, is there more guys that are leaning towards now set pitching wedges versus, you know, 46 degree, you know, Vokey and and I get it asked a lot, you know, on Insta, I know RB gets asked it a lot, you know, when do you when do you split it up from a set pitch wedge to that, you know, SM9 pitching wedge? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, we we offer 46 and 48 degree wedges and. The the reason being is that you know our iron sets are getting stronger. I think it's really important, and um, 
We wanted to make something that can be on the tail end of that set. We know that uh, for for a lot of our players, they they have specific needs, not only visual, but there are certain types of grinds and souls that uh, we think are beneficial to some players. There are three selling features that um, I share with Tour. One of those is the visuals. I think that when you look at our our pitching wedge, it's a, it's it's got more of that classic pitching wedge shape. It's not it's not a big wedge. It's actually just slightly larger than your traditional profile in the irons, but it has that Vokey shape that I think we all love. The second part of it is a very forgiving soul that I think um, players gravitate to. It's got a great feel. It's a very rich, deep, solid thud that I think players, um, they, they really enjoy. And the third part is the Vokey scoreline, the groove. Um, from the fairway, we see very, very similar spin numbers, but where we really see benefits are from the rough or conditions where you could see erratic spin numbers take place. Um, and, you know, part of that is reducing flyers. I think when you ask a lot of players, you go, hey, when you're in the rough and you're hitting into a green with a pitching wedge, do you want to know that your wedge is going to go 135 yards? Or are you okay with knowing that it could go 150? And I think most players will tell you, well, you know, this is my this is my livelihood. So I'd like to know that this wedge is going to go 135 like I want it to go. Uh, and the, the Vokey groove will reduce those flyers. So you get that beautiful Vokey shape, you get a little more bounce, a little more forgiveness, and then you get that reduction of flyers. And it just really sort of increases the consistency level of, of, of what a pitching wedge is. You have an ex- experience with a player where they've had that aha moment when you're going through the, the, the process of trying to dial them into something, either have it be in the short game or have it be in a, a shot that they were trying to hit in the past. Yeah, I mean, that happens That happens often. Um, you know, some of my best moments like that happen when we are uh, at TPI and we have uninterrupted hours where, you know, guy's just in his shorts, he's hanging out, we're, we're laughing, talking about life, but we're working. You know, we're, we're, we're digging deeply into his wedge matrix and we're, we're getting a deeper understanding as to what works and more importantly, what doesn't. And I think you'd be amazed how many players uh, we work with that haven't had a really in-depth wedge fitting. I mean, I know, you know, fitting right now is, you know, for most guys, it's like, Hey, I want to make sure my, my, my driver's dialed. Um, wedge fitting is, is, is just as important. I think in some ways, sometimes it's, it's more important. It, it, it accounts for more shots on your scorecard. Um, you know, obviously the goal being to, to have a lower number on that card at the end of the day, but making sure you're fit properly is extremely important. And we get a lot of those aha moments at, at Oceanside when, we have a couple of uninterrupted hours to really dial some things in, you know, when you're at a tour event, um, we'll see it when we start getting into, uh, the grainy Bermuda conditions, um, players will, they'll comment a lot about having a hard time hitting their wedges into this grainy Bermuda grass. And I'll show them a couple of things that I think really alleviate some of that stress. Some of it's bounce driven. And the other part of it is loft, uh, having less loft in those situations, really simplifies what you're trying to do with a wedge and and how and how you know much more consistent the golf ball will travel you know when you choose the right loft and the right bounce in those conditions talking point because we're so used to our our grasses here like their rye grass it's softer or mm-hmm. it's like it you can get through pretty easily it's not sticky just the root structure doesn't spread yes. out very much but but we noticed that in piners i think uh Ian can definitely attest to that when you know you play around courses like number two and things, just how different that really is. Yeah, I mean, you 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 go around the country, right? And 
My favorite grass is is bank grass. I just <laughs> it's just such a fun grass to pitch and chip off of because it grows straight up. It's always very healthy. Uh, it's green. And it doesn't really fall over like Bermuda grass will, or you know, have the the crunchy consistency of zoysia. Um, I just love that kind of grass. But when you start moving around the country and you get into more of that Bermuda, like you would at Pinehurst or um, you know PJ National or you know any any place like that, wedge play can get really hard. And I think sometimes you know when you're working with players who live in Florida or grew up in Florida or who just grew up on Bermuda grass in general, they tend to be really they really, they really are terrific wedge players. Um, you know, Justin Thomas, he, he plays out of Florida and he's on Bermuda grass all the time. And the guy makes wedge play look really easy. And it's fun to watch because I think he understands the dynamic of how challenging it is and how there are certain key things that work well in Bermuda grass. He sort of mastered that. And I think a lot of players who practice in those conditions are, are really good. Eddie, with uh, with the way irons are going, um, could we ever think we can see a, a time in the near future where we have a forty four degree Vogue in the lineup? I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, these are these are conversations we have a lot. You'd be amazed. I I wish that you guys could sit in on some of our meetings. I think that there is some really fun stuff that we we talk about. I the the, the endless exploration of what we're trying to achieve in wedges is, is something that we're continuing to, to explore. Um, that certainly is a conversation we have. I would say just hang in there and I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Aaron. Um, yeah, the, the we'll see is always like a fun thing. Cause I know like we always love new product and we like to see what's coming up and you know, that is, there you go. It's probably part of the development process here. You know, that's, we won't say we're going to be the reason for it, but 44 degree Vokey could be the next thing. Um, yeah. I know I don't, I don't have any more questions, but, uh, Ian? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, getting the chance to to speak to the wedge master himself is always uh, always a pleasure. Excited for S nine to be in our studios very soon. Uh, start fitting with them. I know I'll be tinkering with some SM nine this summer, and uh, I, I appreciate you being on the pod. Kid me, this is great. I can't thank you guys enough for having me, and I hope we get to do it again yeah. soon. Obviously, you and I chatted, and, and you know, I was chatting with Mike about we're going to get out to Oceanside and. I think one of the things that would be really cool on the channel is just to see the see the Vokey process start to finish. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to how do you that. guys do. It. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, I'd love to do that with you. And um, I think it's such a unique unique experience in the game. Uh, obviously, when we were out there last time, it's it was great to see the facilities. But um, for people to know how special that, that experience is, I'd love to bring that to the channel. So excited about that.